Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, today we're going to be talking about why don't I matter to me? You know, I cannot tell you how many hundreds of thousands of times have I heard people say, I'm a pleaser, I'm a giver. But it's not always a happy statement. You know, we have to ask ourselves, is it, is it better to give than to get? I mean, being a giver is an attitude valued by society at multiple levels. It's it's considered to be honorary. And in close relationships with the spouse, significant others, family, friends, coworkers, or, or in a broad, less personal way, such as giving to charities or volunteering time, giving has many benefits for, for a person's health, for our psychological well-being, for our spiritual growth. And givers are valued for their personal uh, pro-social traits such as selfless, selflessness, um, altruism, kindness. Yet there are many dark sides to giving and givers. You know, the altruistic aura of giving may hide the underbelly of people's true motivations. And in some cases, people giving may be a paradoxical form of narcissism. And the giver is a martyr and whose selflessness is prominently on display for all to admire. In in those cases, the person who gets suffers through guilt or may feel psychological suffocated by the giver and they're oft are advertised sacrifices, you know, where they're, they're always publicizing what they've done. And this type of eye focus by the giver may create unrealistic expectations of the value that others will place on their giving actions. Therefore, they form what are called resentments and expectations. And it may lead to a chronic hyperactivation of stress hormones because that is also associated with narcissism as well as poor physical and mental health because they feel less than because people don't give back in the way they expect them to. And there also may be compulsive giving that is driven by low self-esteem. So in those cases, people believe that they will only be liked if they do things for other people, such as a pervasive lack of regard for themselves leads to devaluing their own needs, low self-worth stunts psychological development and growth, and those individuals may be perceived by others as sweet but boring. You know, consequentially, this type of behavior results frequently in really shallow relationships with others and ultimately rejection. Yes, now we're finding depression in giving. So we don't want to stifle the idea of giving as a good thing because giving can be a fantastic thing. What's more important is that we give people what they need, not people what they want. And a need is usually emotional and not financial. It is usually compassion where there is no compassion. It is love where there is no love. You know, and that can be one of the deepest, most cherished gifts a person can have. You know, lastly, there may be this uh, mercantile motivations to give, and that's quid pro quo expectations to give to get. This type of giving can lead to scorekeeping in relationships, and those people may never ever uh, uh, be vigilant 
uh, enough as to receive the proportion of how much is given. And so relationships for give and get givers involve cataloging a balance sheet of what they have done and what others owe them. And this can lead to perpetual sense that the relationship is ongoing uh, deal or negotiation rather than a real friendship, a real marriage, a, a, a real familial situation or other interpersonal connection. You know, whether it's martyrdom, low self-esteem, scorekeeping, giving, all those forms of giving are pathological and can have a corrosive effect on relationships. So you have to be careful. You know, these types of giving can endanger re and engender and create resentment, anger, disappointment, guilt uh, to both the giver and the getter. And this may, may be why some studies have found that giving can be associated with negative outcomes. You know, oftentimes if you find people that borrow money from their relatives or their best friends, find that those relatives and best friends suddenly become estranged because many times they presume that they can just take that person for granted and not pay them back. And that develops a deep chasm of resentment between them and that person. And you can lose some wonderful people in your life just because you choose to move them into a position of giving you a loan or giving you something that you want or need at that moment and not paying back. You know, giving is, is a positive valued behavior, but giving to get, you know, it, it, whether by a holier than thou approach or, or, or to make yourself look good or quid pro pro manner uh, is, is not good. And giving behavior in these circumstances can be maladaptive as it is exploitive rather than altruistic. The other thing is you as the taker um, never want to ask somebody for $50 when you know all they have is five. And a lot of people make great mistakes doing that, that they expect a lot out of someone when they don't have a lot to give. You know, this is not to negate that giving is a positive and valued behavior, but giving to get whether, you know, whether or not you're going to go that way, you really have to understand that there are consequences to being a giver and a taker. And there's also burnout for givers. And, and these kind of motivations can turn that person to feeling used all the time and not feeling important. So they've given everything of their own away. They've given a lot of the things that they need away, but at the same time, they get nothing back. And so their personal self-esteem, their personal value in themselves, whether it's in their marriage, with their children, as a parent, to work, you know, work, friendships, these motivations poison the goodness of giving and in turn leave the, 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 the residue of distaste of ourselves and for other people. And that's a bitter pill. It's a bitter pill for people to carry that. You know, the best way to give is to not expect anything back. Frankly, we have all engaged of these type of behaviors, and at least on some level. And so make no mistake, very few of us are selfless souls, you know. Still, it, it, it's not a condemnation, but an acknowledgement of our frailty. Our flaws are the very nature of our humanness. We think that if we give, that is going to increase our personal value to others. And sometimes that's just not going to be the case because people don't have that amount of respect for the giver. You know, they may like the giver that has the resources, but they may not like the giver themselves. You know, and, and oftentimes we have this, this idea that we're going to grow spiritually, you know, or live in an authentic manner 
And, and, and so what we have to understand is we do not give away what we need. We give away from our excesses. We give away from what, not from a point of losing our own potential to survive, you know? And, and so we have to measure ourselves when we're going to give. And we also have to, to figure out, is this something they need or is this something they want? You know, when your self-esteem is high, you, you may feel confident and ready to take on the world, but continued low self-esteem can affect your relationships, your sense of worth, how you express yourself, how you navigate life. And by definition, self-esteem is essentially how much you think and feel about yourself on the conscious and unconscious levels, especially when it pertains to how others see you. You know, so <clears throat> low self-esteem typically reflects those hidden thoughts and beliefs you might have about yourself in what's called the subconscious. And you can have low self-confidence for many reasons, like expectations from parents and caregivers as a child. That's where the giver may come from. Also, peer pressure from friends and loved ones, relationships, including breakups or divorce, unresolved trauma, loneliness, internalized shame, having to be a parentified child of your own parents, you know, certain medical conditions where you're dependent on other people. There's also brain functioning and development issues that take place in some people where they end up being a giver. Also, societal and cultural messages about giving. You know, some societies are closed family units and they expect each other to give to each other. And so we tend to hold on to negative experiences, memories, thoughts, words that people say, and those messages become embedded in our thinking patterns, and they create a filter of how we see everything. You know, our perceptions eventually create our reality. And so if we have negative thought processes, we will see things, including ourselves, negatively. So once again, we develop a negative narrative, they're always going to take from me, I'm always going to give, then we do bias research to prove ourselves correct. See, he's asking, she's asking for this. Um, they're always asking, 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 asking. And that narrative builds on itself like a habit. Then it forms a, a way of life. And then it dictates outcomes. And so we have to be very careful about the narratives that we create. If you're going to lay the narrative that I'm a giver or I'm a pleaser, that means you're going to fit that narrative and our ego demands that we prove ourselves correct. And so, you know, we have to wonder, you know, do most people have low self-esteem? Well, not exactly. Many people might feel self-conscious or have bouts of low self-confidence now and then, but having a low self-esteem is not a natural state of being. It is a thought process. It is a cognitive way of being that you have developed based on a narrative that you've laid on yourself. And if those negative feelings last for an extended period of time, you have to work on building your self-esteem because you probably do not have good boundaries. Learning how to say no. Here's how to say no. No. The person goes, but, 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 no means no. That means that we don't have to put energy into no. If you put energy into no, like no or no or no, 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 no. What happens is you having to put so much energy into the no means there's a yes behind it. And so the person will continue to work on you. 
you know, you may try to please people instead of being your authentic self and pursuing what brings you joy and pleasure. Too many people in this life don't know what their purpose is, don't know what their passions are, don't know what they're good at, don't know what their soul is craving. It's really sad because they just live in this, this vacuum with the fear of getting out of that and taking what are called uh, leaps of faith. And we need to live in leaps of faith. You know, giving is a leap of faith and hopes that you will uh, uh, build something in your own life. But to expect something physically back once you've given like money away or objects away, that's not a good idea. Not a good idea. You know, you may feel like you don't deserve love or praise or a raise at work. And this directly is related to how much you value yourself and your abilities. A lack of inner worth is driven by a set of beliefs that they're no good or a feeling of insignificance, or believing that we have nothing about you. Since most people with low self-esteem seek things like careers, relationships, success, power, outside of themselves to make them feel more worthy, it's important to remember that self-esteem is an inside job and directly correlated with joy. To learn how to love yourself is to learn how to say no to things that are toxic, including people in your life. You know, uh, uh, you may face challenges of intimacy or trusting people or establishing strong personal boundaries. And that comes from a childhood usually of neglect. That means that people don't pay attention to us. We are loved by narcissistic parents who love themselves first. And that puts us as a child in a position of having to create our own individuality without any kind of reflection. It means that our whole life is surrounded by the needs of our parents rather than our person, who we are. And so we lose the ability to actually develop what's called character, which is the ability to make decisions for ourselves and define who we are. And that can be a very difficult process. And so what a person will do is they'll step into a relationship like a marriage and they'll breed and have children and that's great. But then all of a sudden, now they have to do it for their spouse and their children and they don't do it for themselves. and they'll work really hard for everybody else but they don't fill themselves. And then after the children leave and after their life has just relational purpose, they're lost because they don't know who they are. And that's the sad thing that's happening in this day and age. And it's happened throughout all the generations of humanity. You know, the stronger your self-worth, the healthier your relationships tend to be. And if you really analyze what is happiness, what is true happiness, True happiness is making room for relationships. True spirituality is making room for relationships in your life. You know, that's where purpose and passion comes from, is relationships and building on each other and supporting each other and being a part of something where you yourself are respected and loved and others are respected and loved. There is a balance. You know, also, if you have a poor self-image, do you call yourself fat or ugly and judge how you look when standing in front of a mirror? If so, it's likely you think poorly of yourself and your appearance due to negative self-images. Rejecting compliments is another example of a negative self-esteem. If someone's going to make you work your butt off just to give them a compliment, no, 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 oh, I'm not that, no, 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 oh, not really, then what you're really saying is you have a low self-esteem because you're not willing to accept a compliment. Just say thank you. Even if you don't believe it, just say thank you. Can you do that? Because if you did that, 
you would at least project some sense of confidence in yourself. That is a good thing to do. And why are you going to make somebody work so hard to give you a compliment? Because eventually they'll never give you compliments again. You know, uh, 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 other people have these narratives that I'm a loser. I don't deserve to be happy. You know, I'm so stupid. Why do I say these things? These are all common examples of negative self-talk that can result from low confidence. And if you regularly insult yourself, either internally or in conversation with other peoples, you likely have low self-esteem and you likely find yourself lost in life and unable to give to yourself because you're not worthy. You don't deserve it. Being unforgiven or harsh on yourself when making mistakes can also be a sign. You know, if you compare yourself to other people, that's another sign of a pleaser and a giver. All, you know, we all tend to play the comparison game, comparing yourself to others. You can help you achieve your goals, inspire you to become better at the workplace. But if this becomes a frequent habit, it starts to negatively impact your mental health because you're trying to move everything to a bar that belongs to somebody else who comes with a lot of different components than you, including talents. You know, and it may be a sign that you need to work on your confidence. And also, uh, second guessing ourselves is natural. After all, we're only human. But if you're often untrusting of your own judgment and constantly seeking the opinions of others, this may be related to your self esteem. This also may be related to the fact that you probably can't even trust yourself to follow through. If you're a procrastinator, if you always do what you feel instead of what you think, like getting out of bed to go to work, then you probably find yourself with a low self-esteem. You know, you cannot live by your feelings. You have to live by your thoughts. Do what is right and then check in with how you feel. That's how we need to live life. However, many people will live life doing what they feel and be flaky and not trust themselves to follow through and then they don't trust others. You know, if you resonate with 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 any of these examples there's no need to stress there's ways to fix it and that is what is important the first part of fixing it is identify to heal the root cause low self-esteem has deep roots which require commitment to becoming self-aware you know getting real with yourself to learn what's making you feel less confident and change those thought patterns this can happen with therapy this can happen with people that can be objective with you but it can also happen with you journaling and finding a way to be objective with yourself you know it's important to explore your thoughts and the messages that 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 are learned that initially create the negative core beliefs it may come from your parents. It may come from your siblings. It may come from your spouse. It may come from your best friends. They can all gaslight you to make you feel like you're crazy, but you are a soul living a human life. You are here for a purpose. You have a passion. You have a way to connect with other people. Your life is not about you. It's about what you can do to help other people with the talents that you have worked hard to create in yourself and the commitments that you have made. People that are committed, people that will do life, live life. People that try are people with low self-esteem, and people that will not because they're too afraid to try are people who don't live well. You know, people with low self-esteem often feel like failures, and they develop learned helplessness, and they, and they create a small achievable goals if you can do that, That'll build competence and consequently confidence, especially if you're a person that procrastinates. Don't procrastinate. Actually, go to the gym. 
actually do it and then check in with how you feel. Do one thing good for yourself. Start doing one extra good thing for yourself every day, hopefully replacing something bad, you say, for yourself. You have to also remember that if you're going to operate by fear, when fear enters, faith leaves. Life is faith-based. That means that we take leaps of faith and we experientially learn from those leaps of faith. We learn from what's called exploratory dialogue. We have to connect with other people to get objective and to understand what's going on in our mind and how can we actually help each other. And so the bottom line is you really want to understand that you need to live in faith. If you're going to take a stab at fear, if you're going to live in fear, why don't you go, I have faith that dot, 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 and land on that. That is a good way to get out of low self-esteem. You know, self-love is the foundation of self-esteem. Once again, self-love requires boundaries, saying no to toxic things in your life. When you don't love yourself, you'll likely have low self-esteem. And that's not a good thing. That's not what we want to live in. It's miserable. It's a good idea to pursue healthy habits like eating nutrition meals, moving, moving your body, sleeping well, taking care of your mental health. This, uh, this could also mean learning more about yourself, including what you enjoy, accepting your flaws, your imperfections, forcing yourself to focus on the bright side of things during challenges can form toxic positivity. But the bottom line is if you're fat, accept the fact that you're fat. You know, accept that. Look at it. It's okay. Now start there. If you want to change it, start there. Make peace with where you're at before you start journeying to where you want to be. You know, start talking about yourself being uh, worthy of happiness. Ta start talking about being confident. Start talking about what I think I need in my life. Actually, talk about your preferences. I would prefer this, I would prefer that. You're never gonna offend somebody if you communicate a preference, but that's how you teach people how to love you. You know, a therapist can point out where low self-esteem shows up in your life. They can help you with these things. Don't be too stubborn to actually go towards that. When we are sure we can think ourselves into having esteem, we are mistaking our self-worth for low self-confidence. Low self-confidence versus low self-worth is what this is about. Low confidence comes from challenges, like a job we don't have the fullest skill for. You know, we feel we feel like we don't belong in that. We don't have the 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 that what it takes to do the job, something we actually mess things up in the past or are worried we'll mess them up again, like a presentation. Our, our low confidence is rational and we can then find rational ways to navigate it. So get help, uh, you know, speak to a colleague, speak to people you admire. You know, if you're the smartest person in the room, go to the room where people are smarter than you. If you're the most emotionally stable person in the room, go to the room where people are more stable than you are. You might find that you learned something. And it's never a bad idea to have a mentor, somebody that represents good health to you. That may not mean that they don't have bad qualities. They may have bad qualities, but look at their good and go, hey, I could use some of that in my life. You know, that could be a good thing. Also, low self-worth is not rational. We have the best... Uh, we could have the best job, we could have good health, tons of money, and still feel worthless. We are convinced we can't change. That happens because we have to prove ourselves correct because our ego demands that. You know, 
uh, we have to understand that we play a lot of stupid mind tricks on ourselves. Low self-worth stems from unresolved past experiences, no closure, and also the emotions that come with it. You know, and instead of a thought like it's a belief, it's not just a thought, it's actually a mantra. Uh, uh, and so we just have to understand that we got to step into it. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come right back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Dr. Connie Mariano is a groundbreaker. She was the White House physician to three presidents, toured the world on Air Force One, and has had countless amazing experiences. The one thing that life didn't prepare her for was becoming a widow. After losing her beloved husband, John, in a tragic accident, Dr. Connie joined the one million women who were widowed in the United States each year. While her journey as a widow has been one of intense grief and sorrow, it has also been one of extraordinary growth and rebirth. Now, Dr. Connie is sharing what she's learned, joined by her knowledgeable guests to help anyone struggling with this deeply personal and often lonely journey of their own. Tune into The Widow's Walk, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about why don't I matter to me? You know, a lot of people feel this way. You know, the strongest influences upon self-esteem is your parents, an individual's parents. Within the first year of life, we figure out whether or not we're safe by how we cry and how our parents interpret our cry, and how they respond to our cry. And the bottom line is, if their parents are neglectful and don't respond, oftentimes we have what's called a failure to thrive, which means that we don't feel safe with our parents, that they are inconsistent, that they are selfish. We learn that within the first year of life, yet we still progress. However, that does slow down our development, and it creates a thing called anxious attachment, which means that we have major trust issues with all relationships in life because our parents did not play 
a good enough role to provide safety for how we feel in this life. You know, poor attachment, you know, is something that can truly, truly affect people's relationships, like their marriages, like their friendships, um, the relationship that they have with their children. You know, it, trust is huge because you can love people and not trust them. But when you trust people, that's where love grows. And so in all relationships, we have to work on trust. That is the only ingredient that you can improve. And to improve trust, you have to say, hey, I need you to have faith in me. I don't expect you to trust me, but I need you to have faith in me that I know I made a mistake and I want to correct it. I need you to have faith in me. That is the bridge back to trust, and they'll get there when they get there, but you're not going to force it. But our parents do have a lot of negative core beliefs that they put into our lives, especially when they have them in themselves. You know, a lack of inner worth is driven by a set of beliefs that we are no good. If we're treated and always punished by our parents rather than praised, we often find ourselves feeling that we will never, ever, ever be enough. And that is not very motivating for a child. And so these kids often find themselves lost. And those feeling lost oftentimes find themselves needing to prove value when they hit about 11 or 12 and they're trying to make really good friends and establish their individuality. They also feel on the low end of the spectrum of humanity and they have to prove themselves through giving or pleasing or being kind. But that's all because they were neglected. And it's sad, but that is pervasive in our lives, especially with both parents usually working jobs. Sometimes we get parents that are at home, but sometimes those parents are something like bipolar or depressed and they spend all their day into their own crap and don't really pay much attention. Now we're in the day where kids are being raised by their iPads and their screens and their video games and all that kind of crap. And so, you know, the bottom line is neglect is pervasive. And then we look around and we go, why are there so many narcissists? Well, because we've neglected our children. And surprise, surprise, surprise. You know, there's a lot of red flags of low self-worth. Dif difficulty with intimacy and relationships, defensiveness in relationships, uh, really a tough time with their sex drive, uh, 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 blaming others for the lack of, of life, of, you know, actually sabotaging relationships and, and uh, being backhanded, backhanded methods of being passive aggressive, like whining or uh, developing uh, uh, acting sad or sulking to get responses from people. You know, whiners will suck the soul straight out of your body. It's in, They're just an endless pit of, of needing give you to give to them. Also then, they, you have people that avoid everything, uh, including their own character, uh, with alcohol abuse, party drugs, overeating, uh, secret self-harm, suicidal thinking. You know, there's all kinds of stuff that goes on out there. And, 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 you know, there's also these people that, you know, push themselves harder and they may actually think themselves to have to feel better about themselves. But sometimes these depressed people, when they pick up steam and they feel better and they start developing a positive dialogue, will roll back into their negative dialogue. And so if you're going to build steam to be a positive person, keep it that way. Keep it going no matter how it feels, you know. The bottom line is there's a lot of deep roots to us being givers and pleasers. And if you want to spend your life doing that, that's a great thing. But you have to have something to give first. 
That means you have to do hard first. Anything hard makes your life easier because people will seek you for the hard thing that you've learned how to do. And so we have to understand that if we're going to have a life of value, we have to do hard. That means you have to go above and beyond what most people would understand. You have to go way above and beyond in a skill set that you decide to form. You cannot be mediocre and be sought. Mediocre people may be sought temporarily, but they pewter out because they're mediocre. And yet, most people will try to rise to the bottom of the barrel. They'll see somebody being successful and lazy, and they will make that their marker for how to be, rather than setting their own marker. Our people in life do really, really well when we become passionate and purposeful and we stop motivating ourselves to be how we're seen by other people. And now it's about who are we and what value can we bring to other people's lives? That's what makes a good life. That's what brings self-esteem is having value that you are able to give to other people's needs in a way that they need you. That's how we get confidence. That's how we get a locus of control. You know, confidence is quiet. Insecurity is very loud. If you want to live a very loud, whiny life, the best way to do that is to live within insecurity. Confidence does not mean that you're cocky. Confidence just means you know you know what you're doing in an area that people seek you. There's nothing wrong with being confident. You can actually fake being confident, fake it till you make it. But the bottom line is you have to be confident. That's a key ingredient for people to want to feel like they can anchor on you. And confidence may just mean I have hope we can make this happen. I have faith that this could work. I can't promise you it's gonna work, but we're gonna do all that we can to make it happen. You know, also, uh, it's never a bad thing to ask for help. And people with confidence, will seek other people that can help them. That is a smart thing to do. But insecure people, they'll want to do it all themselves. That's because they are the only one that could do it right. They're the only one that can make it happen. But the problem is they don't want anybody to see how they do it because they probably do it unconventionally. You know, the other thing is when people are pleasers, they have a lack of boundaries. That means they could be run over by a Mack truck and nobody cares. Pleasers are great, they're wonderful, but they run out of gas. You have to fill your tank before you can fill other people's. And that's an important ingredient to life. If we don't fill our own tank first, we don't have a lot to give other people. The thing about the low confidence, they have low self-esteem too. And being confident in yourself and your abilities allows you to know that you can rely on yourself to manage different situations or you know you can ask others to help you. And this self-trust means that you feel comfortable and confident navigating many different things you might encounter in life, which is even overcoming the fear of not being the expert in the room. You may have a different role. You may be the facilitator, but you may not be the expert. Nothing wrong with that. That's a great thing. You know, finding ways to gain confidence in yourself and your ability is going to be helpful. And acquiring and practicing new skills is the one tactic you might want to try. You know, this may even help reduce feelings of anxiousness, you know, and, and that's an important thing. 
People who have low self-esteem often feel that they have little control over their lives or what happens to them. They're just untethered, uh, adrift at sea, you know, just bobbling around. And that's not a good way to live. You know, we have to understand that we need to have a vision in our mind, in a relationship, in our life, with our children of where we'd like ourselves to be. That doesn't mean we're going to land there. But if we have that vision, we have somewhere to go. And that's an important component of life. The other part it is, is we don't want to develop a sense of hopelessness. If you're going to have hopelessness, you also need to have faith. I'm going to feel hopeless, you know, that this horrible thing's going to happen, but I also have faith that something good can happen if I keep working at it. And sometimes that faith is going to buy you an outcome that you never, ever dreamed you would have. You know, when a person has low self-esteem, they struggle with asking for what they need. So, you know, if you have trouble asking for what you need, it's caused by feeling embarrassed. Or you may feel a need for assistance and support is a sign that you're incompetent. That's not true. That means you're smart. You know, the truth is you can gauge a person's intelligence by their ability to ask questions. It's not the answers. It's your questions that are smart. Because your self-regard is low. Someone with low self-esteem might also feel that they don't deserve help. And they don't prioritize their own desires. So they struggle to assert themselves when they're in need. You know, this is also where people get into that hopeless stretch of suicidality, where they see so little view, a little value in their life, they don't understand where they're supposed to go, what they're supposed to do. They're so confused and they're so stuck in their own narrative about who they are that they cannot break free. And so they develop so much pain and that dialogue within them is so painful that all they want is to get out of pain. And it's sad because then they resort to things like suicide to do that, but that's not going to help anybody. What that's going to do is teach everybody that suicide's an option, and if you understand it, people that commit suicide also uh, manifest suicide in other people in their lives, which is murder. But suicide, but people are so selfish in that moment, they don't even think about that. If you want your children to kill themselves, the best thing you could do is do it yourself so you set the example for all of them because they'll do it too, or, or your family will do it. It runs in families that once they have suicidality in the family, it will keep going. And by the way, suicidality is a manic act, manic act. That means there is a manic ingredient within a person who is suicidal. And so we also have to look for, you know, uh, what people do as far as using social media, because social media will create a lot of self-editing, a lot of fear, because people are so tribal and so critical. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to wrap up on why am I not worth anything to myself? So come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, 
a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Stuck in a state of being that holds us back from creating the life we truly desire. Regardless of your own blocks or limitations, imagine an easier way to get unstuck and move forward with your life. On this show, Jason Hopkins shares his practical next right step approach that will move you toward the life you really want. You too can be steps from getting the abundance, love, support, and fulfillment your heart desires. Get unstuck. Move forward with your life with Jason Hopkins. Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about why don't I matter to myself? You know... People that don't matter to themselves, they call themselves pleasers, givers. The pleasers and givers also develop this other trait that's really ugly trait. It's called passive aggressive. And what that means is they're going to repress their emotions. They're going to pick their battles. They're going to hold everything back. And then eventually somebody does something and it just erupts because it's like the teapot hitting the boiling point. And when they do, they do conflict and they go crazy and they say crazy things and they act really crazy and really scary. And the reason they do that is because they don't ever want to have to do conflict again. So they want to make it as ugly as possible to scare the hell out of you so that you'll never bring this point up to them again. You'll never ask them again. And the bottom line is all they do is look crazy they become the problem. They become the person that has to go to therapy. They become the, the, the crazy one that everybody's scared about because they're passive aggressive and you just never know when they're going to blow. And so that's an ingredient where they need to learn how to express their emotions. That's called boundaries, meaning you have to set boundaries. You know, I'd prefer you did this. I'd prefer you did. I prefer you didn't talk to me like that. I'd prefer you were able to go to this place. I prefer we were able to do this. I prefer we go to this restaurant. I prefer you didn't behave like that. You know, that's teaching people how to love you. That's boundaries. Do more of that. Say no when you need to say no, but don't be dramatic about it. Just say no, no, no. You don't have to explain yourself all the time. You know, no means no. You know, even after making a decision, people have low self-esteem often because they worry that they made the wrong choice or they doubt their own opinions and they may differ from what other people think instead of sticking to their own choices. And this can lead to a lot of second guessing and self-doubt. 
And this makes it harder for people with low self-esteem to make decisions about their lives because not only do they not trust you, they don't trust themselves. There's also this thing of a fear of failure. And people with low self-esteem doubt their ability to achieve anything because they fear failure. And they tend to either avoid challenges or give up quickly without really trying. And this fear of failure can be seen in behaviors such as acting out when things go wrong, looking for ways to hide their feelings of inadequacy. And people with low self-esteem might also make excuses, blame external factors, try to downplay the importance of the task. You know, it also causes people to feel that there's a chance that the future will be, won't be any better than the present. And these feelings of hopelessness, hopelessness can make it hard for people with low self-esteem to engage in behaviors that will bring about positive changes in their life. There's a thing called self-sabotage, and it's a common way of coping with such feelings. By, by finding obstacles to prevent success, people with low self-esteem are able to find something else to blame for not achieving their goals, finding greater levels of happiness in their lives. So... They'll blame everybody else for their own self-sabotage, and that's called gaslighting. Yes. Also, you know, if you think about it, there are other things that come from people-pleasing and being the giver, like anxiety, feeling like your life is out of control, eating disorders, emotional distress, internet addiction, porn addiction, you know, panic disorders. There's all kinds of things, risky behaviors, Social anxiety disorder, substance abuse, stress, low self-esteem may play a role in the development of, of a lot of things like depression. And if you're having you know, suicidal thoughts, God forbid, that also comes in this bag of, you know, why don't I mean anything to myself? You know, if you think about it, a person that holds on to sad memories or thoughts, a person that is results-oriented rather than process-oriented, goes against the flow of life. You are not all of who you are in this moment. What you are is what you're going to become. You're in a process. You're not in an outcome. And if you start judging yourself by the process you're in, you will forget where you're going and what, you, what the possibilities are of your life. Life is about possibilities, creating a life for yourself. And yes, we fail often to meet our own expectations, but we get back up and we become what's called resilient. And if you think about the examples that were laid out in the Bible, anybody of any value in the Bible was resilient. And that's an important thing to remember. We have to land there. That means that we don't make choices based on our reactions and our emotions. We wait and form a thought and then develop what's called a response, and that is where life is best lived, in our response, not our reactions. That means we have to control ourselves, and that's another contributor to low self-esteem is people making emotional choices and then making excuses for those stupid choices and never pulling back and just saying, I was wrong. You know, this brooding stuff and the negative self-talk, you know, re uh, 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 maladaptive coping skills, rumination, like obsessive thinking about one thing and one thing only, that gets in our way to become fully human and actually live our life. The people that ruminate, the people with low self-esteem, have what's called a failure to thrive. They cope with life. They do not live life. 
if they do, it's very rare. When's the last time that you've had a deep crying belly laugh? Probably a long time. And it's really important for us to be engaged in that part of ourselves, to find joy in life, to find joy in things that don't go the way we expect, to find joy in the what it is to be human and what it is for us to struggle through this life. That's where joy can be found. It's learning from each other and learning from each other's failures as well as our victories. You know, there's a lot of factors that play into this. Poor self-esteem can sometimes leave you feeling like you don't deserve care or consideration. And so some people will not practice self-care. They will not bathe. They will not go for a haircut. They will not get into shape. They will not eat healthy. They don't take walks. They don't talk to friends. They engage in, they may not engage in hobbies. This happened during COVID-19. Unfortunately, a vast majority of people got so used to not making choices in their life that they basically stopped learning how to live because they're stuck in their house. Thank for, thank you to our wonderful, incredible federal government and all the state governments that were worked like mafia to keep us all stuck away from our homes. But unfortunately, that took a major toll on people, and a lot of people got stuck into poor self-care. Uh, they got rid of their, their nice clothes because their body got too fat, and now they're trying to recover from all that. And it's crazy you know, that, that not only does our body get fat, but our brain gets fat because our brain is, is also the fattest organ in the body. So you know, the deal is, is that we have to take care of ourselves. We have to demonstrate that we have will, we have determination, we have self-discipline. That means we are committed to our life. We need that if we're gonna live this life. We need that kind of toughness. But here in this world, where we live, the people that sit around, why don't I matter to me? You wanna drop that person in the middle of a jungle and see if they want to survive. I can tell you they probably don't. But if you live in a third world country where you have to live every day to find your own meals, to live, you don't have paychecks, you don't have incomes, you may live off your land, you may live off very little, you may have very nothing to eat. But the bottom line is in a third world country, they can't afford to live like that. And neither can you. We have to live. You know, if you're depressed, if you're anxious, Throw yourself out in the middle of the jungle and try to survive and see what happens. You won't. You will die. And so this is a first world problem. This is a first world problem. It's not a third world problem. They're smarter than us because they know they got to get up. They know if they're sick, they got to go to work. They've got to figure out how to survive every single day. And they depend on loyalty and relationships to keep themselves alive because they don't have honest police. They don't have honest armies. They don't have an honest government. No, not, not that we do in a first world country. We're basically moving to a third world country. But the bottom line is these folks cannot afford to live this way. Neither can you. You got to get back up and get your will back. You have to get your strength back. That is the part of ourselves that is resilient. That is where we get our fuel, our will, our determination. The other thing is we have to think positively, we have to think faithfully, we have to practice self-acceptance and forgiveness, meaning that we're never badly intended people. We're not out there to hurt anybody. We're out there to make choices, and sometimes choices are not good choices, and that's just the way it is, but we're not intending to hurt anybody. 
You know, we also need to feel good and celebrate our achievements and progress. You know, if you went to the gym today, celebrate, celebrate if you haven't done that in a long time. We also have to squash those negative thoughts, all this biased research that we find in the media today is biased research. And we do the same thing because that's who trained us. They train us to think that way, so we think that way. We have to prove ourselves correct. So we'll make up some stupid truth, and even though 99% of the evidence proves us wrong, we're gonna have to make ourselves correct. And that, my friends, is called a conspiracy theory. You know, but you know, we have to let go of the idea that we need to be perfect in order to have value. You know, if this is how you feel, it can be helpful to work on accepting who you are today. And what is acceptance? Peace. Peace is acceptance. Can you do self-acceptance? Peace? Where you are today? Just make peace with that? Can you have a meaningful life by just living in the moment and not the future and the past? Not catastrophizing what's going to happen? Not looking back on what the potentials are? Not predicting failure based on the past? No, we don't need to live that way. Just be here. Just be here. Be present. You know, spend time thinking about the things you've accomplished, the things you're proud of. You know, you don't need to, 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 to be better in order to value yourself, but learning to value yourself can help you work towards your goals. You know, it'd be great if we lived our life seeking wisdom as if we would never die. That would be the great thing. Innate curiosity is what gets us through life in a very strong way. But people lose curiosity. They have their partner and they sit there at dinner and they stare at each other. They have no curiosity for each other. Ask people what they're thinking. Ask people what they're feeling. Ask people what they think about this, what they think about that. How, how do, you know, how, I, I've been thinking about this problem today. What's your thoughts? You know, open up. Stop sitting there being closed off to yourself. You know, what does it, what does it mean if you're just going to not trust the world and not trust your partner and not trust yourself? You know, you need to get out there and be kind to yourself. You need to get to know yourself. You know, that's called making decisions. That's called building character. You know, you want to challenge the unkind thoughts. You want to say positive things to yourself about yourself. You know, some people like this do this in front of a mirror. You know, it may feel strange, but you can feel more comfortable if you do that. You also want to practice saying no, being assertive. It doesn't mean you're aggressive. No is not aggressive. It is assertive. Just be that. But this is the thing in life. We have to celebrate our successes. That's our show. You know, I want to thank everybody for listening. I love hearing from you. And you can do that at voiceamerica.com, the empowerment, and the health and wellness channels, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now remember, do you wear the opinions of others or dress yourself? Also, everything in life will work again if you unplug it for a few minutes, including you. Also, when you learn how much you are worth, you'll stop giving people discounts. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you.